Hi, this is Mark from Dragon Force. This is Adrian Cowan from Seven Spires. This is Taylor Washington from Paladin. This is Nora from Battle Beast. Hey, this is Tucker from Throne of Iron, and you are listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome back, music fans. The Metal Debate Podcast returns with another amazing metal artist interview. I'm pleased to be talking with members of one of my favorite U.S. bands, Melodic Power Metalers Grave Shadow. Today I'm joined by Will, Rachel, and Aaron. Thank you guys for coming on The Great Metal Debate. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. So we're here in Madison, Wisconsin, prior to Grave Shadow's performance at the 2023 Mad with Power Fest. As a regular attendee, I always get a response form afterwards, including, you know, who would you like to see on next year's bill? Every year, I always write your old name in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so, and finally, it's come to fruition. From your perspective, how did it come to be that you all are on this festival? Uh, it was actually um, Lords of the Trident were on when they were on tour earlier this year. They had a Sacramento stop and they invited us uh, out to play. And um, it wasn't like explicitly said, but it kind of felt like a soft audition for the festival with the message that we got. Um, that show was amazing. Um, then we did Hyperspace later on that tour um, up in Canada, and Lords were on that as well. And um, I think that what ended up happening in the way that we got the spot was. Um, Somebody ended dropping ended up dropping off, and Ty shot me an email, and I think I responded in like two minutes. I think I called all you guys like in a rush, and then was like, "Are we doing it?" And Aaron actually was like, "Yes, whatever it takes." <laughs> so that that's how we ended up here. And you said you all were on the same bill with Lords out there. Yeah, and uh, at Hyperspace, Lords were um, were they direct support for that? I forget their order in the lineup. Do you guys remember? I I know they were more towards Ex Mortis. I know it was headlining. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think they may have been third or fourth from the top. From the top, yeah. yeah. They were. They were so great. Like my favorite part about getting to play with them in Sacramento in our hometown at a venue called the Boardwalk, which is like a three hundred cap room. Um, it's a pretty intimate setting. But then getting to see them perform at the rickshaw, and you know they put on an amazing show regardless. But they pulled out like all these cool little tricks and all these things. And I think my favorite thing was uh, Ty had this like neon lit up guitar thing that like spun in a circle like really fast that he did in Canada and I, I was I was sold. Like they were they were my favorite performance. Yeah. They're on tonight yeah. with you guys. Uh, and it's killer lineup this year. Headlined by your former tour mates, Unleash the Archers. I'm curious how cool it's been for you guys who know Unleash the Archers to see their rise to success. And then also, to what extent do you see what they've done as a vision for what you'd like to see Grave Shadow accomplish? I would say for me that, I mean, just surreal seeing them get this far because that, that tour we did was all of ours first tour i mean we, we've all been playing local shows for years and i remember getting the phone call from will for that tour specifically how do you feel about going on tour and i'm like would i mm-hmm. and then I, at this point i had no idea who the band was going to be and then he just name dropped anvil and the archers i'm like sold i'm going and they were fantastic then and just seeing them just gradually headline their own shows larger venues to playing festivals like 70,000 tons of metal 
uh, and they're on Vakken. Vakken is here too. Yeah, that's yeah. the other one I was thinking of. So yeah, it's really amazing just to see them grow, and it's very inspiring as well. Even musically, they've changed a lot too. Incorporate a lot more synth, which as a keyboardist as well, I really admire that. <laughs> I'm actually going to build off of like what he said. I, I think for me, it's been dramatic. It's just been so inspiring. Um, Apex and Abyss are honestly probably like my top two records of like the past ten years, as far as like metal is concerned. I think that I think that they do such a fantastic job of um like genre blending and melody building and um it all just works like like so i I remember when abyss came out i was at work i used to work in a cannabis lab and my job at the time i was just a tech i was just putting little teeny tiny babies um into soil plugs and i saw i got a notification that oh uta put out a new album I'm like yeah that's what we're listening to today i had to like put my tools down like when the uh when the opening track started and i was just like oh this is gonna be like this is going to be a ride. And I, I think that, I think as far as like what we've learned from them, that tour for us was such like, it, it, it was all about growth and, and learning. And I think that kind of having them almost like modeling the way to an extent of like what to do, like, you know, watching Brittany kind of like call the shots. So she's like getting everything arranged and set up and, um, you know, getting to chat with Grant and Andrew after the shows and um, just watching Scott do what he does like every night. I don't know who their new bassist name is, so I feel bad that, about that. But um, it just kind of just kind of watching all of that. I was absorbing, you know, how do you run a show effectively? Like how how do you be professional? How do you show up? How do you do what you need to do? Um, and then it's it's funny because it was not intentional. But when we put out our last record, I think there were like three, four reviews that kept comparing us to UTA. And um, definitely not intentional. I do think that, like, by osmosis, we were influenced by them. Because the same thing happened when we did the second... when we did the second tour with Anvil and Night Demon, when we got back and we were writing our second record, we started writing just a bunch of, like, traditional metal-like riffs into our music. Um, And I think that... um, I think it just kind of happened by osmosis. It definitely wasn't intentional. But I will take that comparison any day of the week. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Again, it's a great bill. So many good bands. I do want to turn to you, Rachel, because yesterday I was here early for the show, and I saw that you were here very early. Like you wanted to catch all the acts. Tell me a little bit about that. As a, you know, as a fan, sometimes I think, well, musicians on stage, they're kind of above being fans. But it's obvious, and I saw you guys hanging out as well, that you were all big fans of music and and wanted to see what the other bands were doing. Yeah, we all are fans. That's where we all start. Um, And so I find that it's really, really, really important that I support all of the musicians that are, are are playing one because they're good and two because I'm I'm not above being a fan that's kind of where I started and that's where I will always be I am on that stage but I am also one of you know those people within the crowd um, and I never would want to disconnect myself from that and I think you know both of these guys feel the exact same way mm-hmm. that's where our roots are and that's never going to go away I will always be a metal fan from you know the first show that I I attended, I watched Kicks, you know, in Maryland, (laughs) out in the crowd. Um, And that just, that feeling has never gone away. That support is really important uh, as a singer. Being visible is really important. And remembering that, you know, you started as a fan, you'll stay a fan. Um, And we just, you know, have had the privilege and the honor of crossing over onto the stage as well. 
I'll be honest, something that really excites me as a fan is when I see somebody up on stage and then later on yeah. in the evening, I see, like, they're right beside me banging their head and pumping their fists and getting into the music. It just deepens that bond of camaraderie, you Absolutely. know. Yeah. I think that's kind of the nail on the head, like, right there, what you just said, like, camaraderie, it's a larger community, right? I mean, and especially, like, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, here, Mad with Power, there's a lot of bands that played yesterday, a lot of bands that played today. Those people, folks, are here, too. But there's also just a lot of folks out there that are just came to see the show. And I wouldn't be surprised if half of them were in their own bands. Exactly. <laughs> like, and doing their True. own thing. Like, it's it, it's kind of interesting how... It's kind of interesting how metal went from a super, super commercial thing in the United States to almost like a niche thing in the United States. And that's not to say that there's not a big market for it or anything like that, but I think it's... I think the landscape is a lot different and... You just, y'all got to support each other. It's kind of what it's about, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, we're just here for each other. I feel like that's what Mad with Power Fest has always been about with, you know, the new wave of nice metal bands, yeah. as Ty likes to put it. <laughs> yeah, so um, and he really fosters that sense of community here. He always has. Um, and so we, you know, we have to play that part too. And we love playing that part. Yeah. We're very grateful. Yeah. So the last time I saw Grave Shadow live, it was with your previous lineup, and you guys have spoken extensively about w those changes and why they happened. Yeah. Uh, I am curious for, for you, William and Aaron, when thinking about putting together the new lineup, how much were you concerned with replicating what you'd done before versus looking for great musicians who would bring fresh new ideas? I, there had to be kind of a tension there. Yeah. You mind if I jump in? If I start? Or yeah, absolutely. Go, go yeah. ahead. I think um, I think that it was kind of contentious. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was kind of contentious really? when we were putting everything back together because um, I think that there was a lot of healing, and um, Aaron, Aaron and I are really tight. But I think that when when we deal with hurt, our initial emotional response is a little different sometimes. Yeah. And um, to be completely honest, Aaron was dragging me along with him for probably about the first like year, year and a half after we started putting everything back together. Um, I know that we were, we were hyper-focused on finding the right singer. Yeah. Um, and when, I, I, love, I, I love telling the story of when you sent me Rachel's audition, yeah. where she, he sent me her audition tape, her audition tracks, and I listened, I listened to 30 seconds, and turned it off, called him, and said, I don't care what you have to do, get her. And we were at the honestly at that time we were just talking about doing something different. Yeah, it wasn't even meant to be a Grave Shadow reboot. It was just going to be something Will and I were going to do as a whole new project. Because mm -hmm. at that point we had played with bands like Serenia. We had also opened with, for Taria, and we we also have been really getting to bands like Beast in Black and Powerwolf. Mm -hmm. So that power metal esque kind of sound was definitely there. Mm -hmm. uh, in our interests, and we won't want to embrace that. And it was also kind of like the logical writing progression from like the end of the Ambitions Price writing sessions, because yeah. you know, like I mentioned a little earlier, um, you know, we 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 wrote that record shortly after we did our second tour with Anvil and Night Demon. We did the record with Armand um, from Night Demon, and the last like two or three songs were going in kind of like that power traditional. Yeah, we we knew. That I mean, because you know, I know Aaron a little bit more than me, but we're definitely like you know fans of like you know the symphonic doom stuff, the you know the symphonic melodic metal. We're both really into that, and I knew that it was important to Aaron that that part of the music was maintained. Yeah. And um, but I also wanted, but we also wanted to do something different with the guitar work, and um, you know, I I don't 
I don't know how deliberate it actually was. I feel like it just kind of happened. It, it totally, it completely did. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that we had a game plan. Um, we knew we wanted good people. Like mm -hmm. we knew we wanted good people. We knew we wanted good players, um, and we knew that we, we knew that we wanted to try to. Um, at least I, I know it was important to me, and I know it was important to you too. I think I was a little more hyper focused on it, but I, it was important to me that we tried to rebuild the sense of community within the band. Yeah. which, um, you know, that's a journey. It, that takes time. And um, the previous lineup had its ups and downs, mm -hmm. its bumps, you know, our disagreements and, and you know, some infighting. Um, this group has gone through the same. And it's all kind of part of the process, right? Like, um, I think the thing for me, when I became really convinced that we had something special it was probably at the end of our first tour and it was not because it was a perfect tour it was because there were so many challenges and it mm. felt so reminiscent to me of that very first tour mm -hmm. with UTA yeah. it felt like almost the exact same I had the exact same emotional responses mm -hmm. same headspace everything um, but we got through it and it was the fact that we got through it that and everybody was still like okay well when's the next one that I was like okay all right like yeah yeah uh, do you want to add anything? I kind of prattled there for a while. <laughs> no, I mean, you, I mean, you, you basically hit it right in the nail. And I mean, I remember kind of going back to what you were saying when we uh, got Rachel's audition because I, I was honestly anxious for his reaction. And you could, my girlfriend was right there uh, when I sent it to him, and we were waiting for the response. So she saw the whole thing. She, uh, I, put, I put him right on speakerphone. And she, she heard everything. So if it, there was a witness and i could say yep this is all true it's her and so that was one, one check mark and then for me the thing i know i was going to be really picky about was aside from a good vocals was also finding a solid drummer yeah. because in california and honestly anywhere if you're trying to form a metal band the hardest person yeah. to find is a drummer. Nothing against bassists. Lucy is a fantastic bassist and honestly has been a godsend for us on the tech side of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, she is a, she's a tech wizard. Uh, our backing track unit would not be the same without her. Um, even just some of the art instruments as well because she will casually maintain her bass and yeah, just mess around with ours. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she is, uh, if we had a band roadie, it is her. So she's way more than just a But we're also lucky that she's a hell of a player. Um, I, I, there's one more thing I wanted to add about the story of like Rachel's audition tape is, you know, like I had mentioned, we were just kind of talking about doing something else. And when we got in touch with Rachel, we still weren't talking about Grave Shadow. It, it was when I heard her audition tape, I told the, the other half of that was, I don't care what you have to do, get her. We're continuing. Like, we're going to keep going. Um, which was also... Um, it was that and the kind of the domino that fell before that was I had a conversation with our label head, uh, Marco Barbary at, uh, at M Theory. And he had called me and um, the gist of the conversation was, you haven't done anything in a year and a half and your record is still selling. What are you doing? Like, are you going to do something else? Um, and he told me that, you know, he, former president of Century Media and all that other, um, I remember one of the things that he said to me that really stuck out to me was he said that, you know, a lineup change is a really hard thing to come back from, but more. But in his experience and what he'd seen throughout his you know decades in the industry was it's the ones that stick it through that tend to actually accomplish what it is that they want to accomplish. And uh, these guys can attest I am hard headed and stubborn, and I will bash my head against the wall even when it's bad for me. Um, so 
you know, having that encouragement from him and then having such a, a, a very strong singer present themselves in Rachel, um, it, it kind of became a no question. Like, you know, we need to keep going. Mm -hmm. I want to ask Rachel about that audition tape, but before that, one follow-up, something that just jumps out to me. Again, coming from a fan perspective, to what extent did you guys think about, or or did you at all, which I could understand if not, the impact on fans moving on from the Grave Shadow name and starting something new? I'm sure it might be nice to kind of clear the deck and start anew, but you're also starting new with fandom as well. Yeah, um... You know, I don't know if it's like an exact one-to-one comparison, but I think about Sabaton and Civil War. You know, Civil War is made up of all, like, the original members of Sabaton. And uh, Sabaton still carried on. Sound didn't change, like, terribly dramatically, kind of the same way that ours did. But, you know, fans do make, you know, connections with members. Um, I don't... I think the most contentious part about that was trying to figure out the vocal situation yeah like it was um where you wanted to go with yeah, vocals there was this kind of like you know there was like you know there there was a little bit of um kind of not really having a sense of true north at first of what we wanted to do in that department and i i know i was very hyper focused on it because that was you know previously it was the grouse that would get called out a lot and the ability to shift like in between and all that good stuff but I think ultimately what it really is, is it's about playing to your strengths and, you know, we still have that element and we still have that element in our music. I think what it really was, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what it really was, was about, um, trying to create something new that still felt familiar. Yeah. Um, but we knew it was going to be different. There was no way that it couldn't yeah. be different. Um, and the other thing that I'll say is, um, I might mess up the album nail, but what is it? Creator's Golden Age record, the one that's a little bit more like gothy, industrial, mm-hmm. and everything like that. That's my favorite Creator record. I like that record more than anything else that they've put out. Like, I like their other stuff too, but, uh, you know, bands evolve, bands change, and sure. um, you can't hold new people. And this is a lesson that I have been learning, absolutely. Um, and I think I'm still learning it in some regards, is you can't hold people accountable to the past. Exactly. And it's uh, that's been a learning curve for me. Um, I think it's been a learning curve for you, too, to yeah. some extent. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't know, do you have anything that you want to add? Well, kind of, kind of what's popping in my head is when we released Gwimplight, because that was the first single with this whole new lineup. And it was met with almost a... 50 50 response yeah with people that were like yay grave shadows back and then there was the other half going one comment i remember seeing on the youtube that kind of cracks me up a little bit which it was this song is actively breaking my heart yeah oh yeah i remember and, that and, and, oh, wow. and, and i mean <laughs> and, and i'm not i'm not trying to point the i'm not trying to point the finger at uh, this person but i'm just like well I guess we. I guess we meant something that much to a, a fan. Well, sorry. Yeah. And then, but then we released Soldier Thirty Four a little after, and it was almost a complete flip. Yeah. Everyone was all like, "Okay, we're down for this." Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. Like, there was a lot of like, "Oh, it's power metal now." Like, I don't know if I'm so much interested in it. And I think, um, I think at a certain point, at least for me, you kind of get some thick skin about that. Because I'll be honest, our first record got eviscerated in reviews 
like it was probably like 70 30 you know uh 70 percent bad and 30 percent i say though it yeah. got a lot of attention it which did. to me yeah may be more important yeah. than the actual content of the yeah. reviews I, I remember we got so many reviews from germany calling it like disney metal and like all this other stuff like just just absolutely ripping it apart and that was really hard to deal with when it was happening but I'm almost glad it, it happened because yeah. now I read a review and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, you, if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, but the, I think the other thing too is that you know what I what I think I've learned how to do with that is, you read the bad reviews and you read the critiques and as long as it's not the one that we got for this third record where they were mad that Aaron and I have long hair and, and we take care of it. <laughs> they called us uh, yeah males. smug shampooed males. What? Yeah. yeah, that, was, yeah. that was one of the first reviews we got for the yeah. record too. Dude didn't even talk about the music. He just talked about yes. our image. Um, and it's um, but I, I think that but at the same time like we saw like a huge spike in like Facebook followers, Instagram followers and things like that after the after the record. Not even before the record came out. Mm-hmm. Like even before the record came out, we saw a huge spike in that. And um you know, it's kind of evened out as the way social media does and Absolutely. all that good stuff, but it's um well, I, yeah. Well, I want to get to the record in a moment, mm-hmm. but before that, I do have to ask the question about what was the content of your audition tape and did you realize that it would cause such angst and you know thought when it was received no no i really didn't um i had no idea really what i was walking into um we were set up i was set up with aaron uh, a friend of ours he's wonderful he's my best friend um and he, he said you know you need to check out the singer and so aaron had reached out to me i was in three bands at the time i was in three um including diamorte if you're familiar with diamorte mm-hmm. yeah. with james jordan um so that was you know really cool and i was you know, really hyper focused on that and i said i can't do another band i can't do another band i don't have the time for another band but fuck it i'm just gonna go ahead and uh, and send in my my audition um and so really what i did was i took some of uh, my older material that i had done with a band that i was with for about five years in chicagoland um, and I sent that over, and it was, you know, the most high-range, belty, power metal-y stuff that I had, where I was like, yeah, this, this sounds awesome. Um, and so I, I sent it over to him, and, uh, you know, they kind of came back uh, saying that they were really interested, and I had no idea. I just thought this was going to be another project. And I said, well, I know who Grave Shadow is. Um, and I, you know, kind of found that out as we were working through the audition pro- process. And I was like, okay, I, I need to get in on this because they have a really good reputation I think this could be a really good move and I remember um, super nervous um, redid one of their older songs um, I did I did Hero of Time um, oh, cool. so there does exist a version of me doing Hero of Time I, all I'd love to hear that because I love that song yeah <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was painstaking. I had to, you know, learn all of those harmonies and really hear them and understand them. Um, and so I sent that over, and I was so nervous. Um, and I remember he called me that day, and it was uh, it was like the movie Rockstar. It was like a rock star moment. And he calls, and he's like, "So, you want to be in the band then?" <laughs> and it was during that conversation he said, "I, I think I really want to make this Grave Shadow," and I about shit myself in cool. my house and it was uh, it was really cool and uh, that was it took all my focus it was my hyper focus from then on you know um, it was just something that and, really hooked me and it was really special and and 
you made that transition from, well, I'm just going to try this. I'm in a bunch of other bands to this is now my focus. Like what was, what flipped the switch for you that... To be honest with you, um, I think it was partly that I had gotten a taste of the working relationship yeah. with both of them because they're wonderful. They're wonderful humans, and that doesn't always happen when you're in a band setting. Um, and two, my heterosexual life partner. <laughs> <laughs> and two, I got the opportunity to really dive deep into the catalog understand it understand what they put out before understand that i you know could have a really cool role in this and i got to really break down hero of time and go okay so this was the lead this was the mid this was the low and this shit is so cool and that's really what hooked me was really diving in deep to a song and learning it and i tell all of my students that you don't know the song that you're that you uh, are tasked with learning until you really dive deep into it you don't understand the genre that you're tasked with learning until you dive deep into it and i did and i said yeah i want to do this this is what I want to do. So, you know, definitely uh, credit to the prior version of Grave Shadow before that, credit to Heather Michelle. It was really, really, really cool learning that and being a part of that for my audition process. And I said, I want to do that. I think I can really fit in well. You did. Yeah. <laughs> Swimmingly. That's awesome. <laughs> now, the band is from Sacramento and you reside in Ohio. What challenges did that provide? Obviously, they were so impressed with you that, like, they thought, we're going to make this work regardless. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say like the biggest challenge is that I'm not there every single week rehearsing with them. So that makes it really difficult. Um, and we've worked around it. Um, I'm continually teaching and rehearsing on my own. Um, and so that's the, the rehearsing challenge is a huge challenge. And, you know, the time zone challenge as well. And just making sure that we're communicating effectively. Um, I don't I think that we've had moments where communication definitely could have been better, but we're still learning and we're still understanding each other. Um, so really, uh, that's that's the biggest problem but you know we do live in a modern age and we live in an internet age so as long as I can rehearse on my own and I'm rehearsing regularly and I'm in regular contact with one of these guys um, or Lucy or Bones or whoever um, then we can overcome those challenges um, and really the way that it works is I rehearse on my own regularly they rehearse on their own regularly we have regular check-ins and sometimes I just every three months or so I'm flying over to California um, whether that be for a photo show, for recording, for the start of a tour, and where we are rehearsing pretty heavy, um, and we've overcome it. And you know, I think that has a lot to do with a lot of discipline on their end and on mine, and knowing that we've got our shit together, even though we're however many you know two thousand miles away or however far apart we are, um, we believe in what we do, and we believe in each other, and we believe that we know our shit. Yep. And that's just the way we overcome it. I think what also helped is that Aaron and I pretty quickly agreed when we were going to start it again that our focus was going to be on touring. Yeah. Yeah, our focus was going to be on touring and our focus was going to be on things like Mad With Power. Um, and so when you're not trying to pepper in, you know, one-offs, um, it makes it easier. Like, because you would always just fly her out a couple of days ahead of time, do a few rehearsals, hit the road, go do the deal, come home, she goes home and, you know leave her alone for a day or two and then start bothering her again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of touring, you all did go out on a run of shows earlier this year with Friends of the Podcast Paladin and also Friends of the Podcast Ex Mortis. Tell us a little bit about that tour and more important, the response to you guys going out there and, and playing live. 
There were some uh, surreal uh, responses. Um, I remember I think one of the most interesting ones was Spokane, Washington, because the, the, you get there and it was just kind of like kind of empty, and then a lot of the crowd was more would you expect a thrash metal scene? Oh, yeah, very uh, thrashy audience. And they they actually really really loved us, especially our bassist. Our bassist. Oh, yeah. I remember we got off the stage and everyone just kept uh, chanting in the audience, bassist, bassist. Yeah. <laughs> the Pacific Northwest loves Lucy. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I think we had a really good response to to that tour, and it was a, a little unexpected um, because I believe what ended up happening was Immortal Guardian was slated for that spot in that oh, tour, really? yeah. and they did have to drop off of that tour um and so we got a call from from marco barbary and uh you know can you do this and we said yes we can and that's you know oh that's half of it really is just being ready and available and you know ready to go we've gotten uh both uh, that tour hyperspace and mad with power fest for all of those that same reason because we were just ready to fill that spot um but no we we got a really good response um both with the bands that we were touring with and from the audience like he said that audience was a lot more of an extreme you know they were extreme fans of metal and so we were like we're we're pretty we're pretty melodic but i mean we saw crowd surfing up in canada during our set um they they took they took to it really really well um, and we felt very accomplished and very happy with that. I'm very happy with that tour um, with two incredible bands, tight bands. I am in love with Paladin. I'm in love with Ix Mortis. Um, it was a really cool experience. And all good guys. They're all yeah, really just decent people, wonderful people, uh, very helpful. Can't say any bad things. You know, for me, and it was for reasons outside of our control, it's just logistical issues, but. Um, I was anxious that whole tour um, because of hyperspace and it was because um, we had to fill in people and I have never gotten on stage in the entire time that this band has been touring without him and um, that was really hard it was really really hard Um, I remember calling him because we're pretty strict about image but we're both Berserk fans and I, I was just going to get on stage in my Berserk shirt, and I was just like, "No, I'm going to call Aaron first. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to make sure that he's, he's going to be okay with that." And I called him, and at first, like, and I and I told him, I, I told him, I was like, "Is like, dude, it's honestly, it makes me feel like you're here with me." It's like that's the reason why I wanted to do it, and um, I ended up not doing it at the last minute because it was just a little too baggy. <laughs> it's just a little too baggy to get on stage in, but um, that was um, that was that was that was really hard for me. Um, personally, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I credit Aaron a lot with, um, you know, dragging, you know, on it, like legitimately that first year after when we're putting it back together for dragging me along, I was dealing, I was dealing with a lot of things. My, um, my, uh, my fiance and I had separated, I moved out of my house around that time. Um, I had lost my job when the old lineup had kind of all fallen apart. So it was like a one, two, three, four, kick you down into the ground. And, um, Aaron was there like the entire time and um, that was that that was it was an interesting challenge um, I think but at the same time kind of like how Rachel's saying it's I think it opened up the door for us to be here today and um, I'm really looking forward to getting up there with you tonight absolutely absolutely I couldn't say it any better myself 
That's awesome. It's it's awesome to see when a band is also kind of like a family. Absolutely. So, uh, I want to be cognizant of your time today, but I also want to take a little time to talk about your latest album, The Uncertain Hour. Uh, I reviewed it positively last year, but I'll ad- <laughs> yeah, but I'll admit it's it's grown on me since that time. I'm curious, with over a year having passed and the opportunity to play the songs live, how pleased are you with it? And are there any things that looking back you're like ah, I wish I could have changed this or that so I'm probably the one uh, to point to this because I've always considered that album my baby mainly because a lot of the instrumentations was I, I wrote and that's kind of what Will was talking about when I was dragging his feet because towards the end of 2018 when there was kind of that question if the group was going to continue and even I was going through some hard stuff myself so my coping mechanism was writing and seeing the band uh, kind of going different directions, I wrote, I think, four songs. And I basically said, hey, I have this batch of material, guys. Could we do something? Hopefully this will kind of light a spark. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as, a, as that spark I was expecting. But when Will still wanted to do music with me, I was like, well, I got this. Let's use it. And then when we decided to continue as Grave Shadow, then there was right there and then so seeing those songs evolve from just basically therapy and then turning out to what it is meant meant a lot to me and about the same time I was also kind of a stickler in the recording process because of how sentimental some of the structures were so when some changes were suggested I was very very uh, firm like no 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 you were not touching this but in the long run, I'm glad it did, and that's, that's something I'll definitely listen back going, yeah, I'm glad we made those changes, because they trans- translate better live, and there's more, um, honestly, the fans like it as well. I'd like to talk with you about all the songs, but I'll talk about just uh, two of my faves. I really like Vengeance of Envy. Uh, you guys did a lyric video for that one. To me, it kind of has a little bit of the 80s, like point of entry era Judas Priest vibe going on there with the Grave Shadow twist, of course. Um, tell me a little bit about that track and particularly why you thought that was good for the lyric video treatment. So I was, I was, I was going to chime in a little bit about that because that one's also kind of special because well, that's not one that I actually wrote, but it was one of the first ideas that I jammed out with Will and our old drummer uh, right when I was brand new in the band. And actually, yeah, Ben was uh, there too. So uh, it was my first, like I said, full-on jam, and unfortunately it just kind of got shelved. I was hoping it was going to make it to Ambition's Price, but I, I found a video of that Will put together of of him uh, playing the guitar parts and then I used it as a means to basically write the rest of the song and then it, it just came and, and then it came to be from there yeah and then Will if you want to chime in on anything yes yeah. um, that was actually so um, I wrote Vengeance of Envy um most of the guitar. Um, Aaron's got his fingerprints on it too. I think uh, Soldier 34 and Vengeance, I think, are the two songs that we like. That was the first time we collaborated together. It was really those was, two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but Vengeance is. Vengeance was written during the writing process for the first record. Like, that's how old that song is. Like, it's been around since then, um, and we just never found a place for it uh, to fit in. But um, he told me, he floated the idea to me of wanting to resurrect that song. And, um, 
I had, I was still a little on the fence, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be as strong like with the other material. And he said, well, let me work with it. And changed around the chorus. He put that, that really awesome harmony in the beginning. Um, and I think just kind of like um, breathed a little bit of life into it. And so I, I was very, very happy with the way that it turned out. And you, lady, killed it with yeah, them vocals absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, when i the first time I, I i am i'm a very emotional person music makes me cry a lot um when i remember when i heard just the desk mix of her vocals i was getting i was getting super teary-eyed about like the whole thing just because it was so damn powerful and the way that she wrote the lyrics for it were uh yeah i just i, I just it struck a real big chord with me and you really come across as very emotive in that lyric video, which features you kind of doing some almost Halford-esque kind of moves. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I will say that traditional metal has always been, you know, kind of my sticking point, and that's kind of where I started. Um, so I pulled a lot, I pulled a lot of traditional metal, uh, a lot of Ann Wilson also to to put on that track. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's honestly my favorite off the record. So I'm really glad that you like that one um, because I think it's the most straightforward and uh, really true to my roots to what you know I've done before Grave Shadow, which is you know kind of really cool. Um, we wrote that song. <laughs> we wrote that song about uh, a cartoon. It's called Full Metal Alchemist and uh, the relationship between a lieutenant and uh, and um, his care captain. And so that was uh, that was really really cool to uh, to kind of have that. Um, I don't know. I just really liked the song. I didn't think that it was going to be one that uh, was going to be really strong until I got into the vocal booth and our engineer, his name is Justin. He plays in a band called Miss May I. He's a wonderful human. And yeah, we were uh, we were in the vocal booth. I was in the vocal booth with him, and I would I would go through a take, and he'd go, "Mm, "You can do that better." Yeah, (laughs) and I got it out of me, and I got that desk back, and I was like, "Yeah, this one." this one it was really cool it's awesome another favorite of mine the two lived it's grave somnium that's what that is uh, so uh you know is that a direction you guys might go or is that just kind of a one-off so i personally would love to have no, 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 definitely not a direction but just like one song to uh maybe in the future just to keep a little bit of a homage of the doom side that we carried out on the yeah. first two records um no insomnium is definitely one of my biggest influences as a, a musician um sorry getting emotional because i fucking love that album are like a grave yeah no and no i mean you hear it in my voice because that's how hard especially the title track of that song heart like a grave really hit me so i wanted to try to take that inspiration into us we actually played it live for the first time uh, last week. Yeah, for your birthday. And I guess that's why I was a fan. Those emotions are hitting out. Your passion in the song definitely comes across Thanks. both the performance and writing process. I will add that that was probably one of my favorite recording moments of that of the record because uh, he and I did the growls together. Um, he did the growls. I was just there to as like you know a, a second set of years. We were doing it in his other band, Nabian's uh, studio one night we were there till like what two in the morning yeah something like that we were there till like two in the morning doing that track and kind of like how rachel was just talking about how justin was going like nope you can do that better it's like i was doing that with him i was going like nope you can do that one better nope you need to pitch higher here and then fall here and like just going back and forth and what was so cool about it is it was like no you need to do that better okay i can do that better like and yeah. it was uh that was uh that was a lot of fun like it was it was a lot of fun and i, I think um 
I think in a lot of ways that was a I think in a lot of ways that was a bonding moment for us. It absolutely was a bonding moment for us. Yeah. Um, and actually, the, for, for some people, that, that uh, was their least favorite uh, on the record within uh, within the band. Um, and part of that was also because I didn't have the orchestration set up. I remember Bones went to record that song. So, just ima- since you love it, just imagine no orchestrations. No, I, I, I can't imagine yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, re- he recorded to just the, I think only the rhythm guitars. Yes, yeah, that was it. Yeah. So the, the, the lead wasn't there, the <laughs> vocals. So he was just like, this song is boring as shit. And then I remember we had a photo shoot, and I was just finishing up the orchestrations. And I had Rachel and Bones at my house. And I'm like, oh, by the way, this is what it's going to sound like. And then they're like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. Your chorus is like in Two Lived. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no. Yeah. Your chorus in Two Lived is one of my favorite moments on the entire record. Is the uh, that we are demon and Pendragon. I love, love, love that line. It is so good. And yeah. I'm glad you think yeah. so. It's awesome. It's about Howl's Movie Castle, if you didn't know. So many good tracks on that album. <laughs> I wanted to ask... There's video online, old video of Grave Shadow with previous lineup performing an acoustic track at a record store. (laughs) I I, I, I remember when I first saw that, and I was so surprised at how well the Grave Shadow sound translated. Is there, in the future, the possibility of a Grave Shadow unplugged? I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, Queensryche did it. Queensryche did it really well. Yeah. So if Queensryche can do it, that's a A-plus for me. I think we could definitely what, do what it. What I've been playing around with the idea of is taking some of the songs, and especially with how orchestral they are, is stripping them down as a string quartet. Just, just yeah, um, uh, Damsel's Finesse in particular is one oh, that yeah. I've been toying with. Just stripping the orchestrations to just two violins, viola, and cello with Rachel's voice. And cool. that's uh, I have it's something I want to do. I just need the time to arrange that, and then send it to Rachel. Go have fun. I think if we ever did it again, um, I think like the material on the third record is almost better suited for it. Is mm-hmm. I, I remember I remember when we got asked to do that that we were like, what the hell are we gonna do? Like it, it was because all of, um, so much of our stuff back then was just you know really driving like just mm-hmm. really driving power chords and um, it was kind of like you know how do we make that interesting without high gain and distortion like mm-hmm. um, and I thought we did a really good job we did. like we did. was it, if I remember the way that that went down you played keys I played keys. Roman and I did the guitar yeah uh, Ben did bass and Heather sang. Um, and I think that that was a uh, I think that was a good way to handle it. Um, you know, now we might have just Bones do like a cajon or something like that yeah. if we were going to do it again. But, I would love that. Um, but it's a uh, yeah no I, I you know the the right circumstance I would I, it would be really fun I think it'd be fun to do something right like circumstance that. right yeah. set list yeah yeah. Well, I could talk to you guys for hours, but uh, again, I I do want to be cognizant of your time. So beginning to wrap up with you following your performance at Mad With Power Fest, what are the band's plans for the remainder of 2023? Uh, Writing. Lots of writing. Writing. Um, If the right offer comes out, then you might see us on the road again, but that's um, a big to be determined, I'll say. Um, We have a couple songs that we just finished and demoing, 
and we got more to come. I have a lot of ideas that I want to present to everybody else. So let's get those. We want to get those solid before we do anything big. Again. Yeah, I think it's like just really focusing on writing. I've been working with a few. Riff, I've been working with a few riff ideas. I haven't shown you yet. No, he needs to get on that. Um, but it's uh, yeah. We, like Aaron was just saying, we just went. Um, we just demoed two songs with uh, Kurt Vanderhoof um, from Metal Church down in Yucca Valley. Um, great experience. Great experience. Amazing experience. Yeah. He's Amazing. the nicest person. He really is. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of going to be, I think it's going to be that, you know, kind of starting to figure out what the next record is going to sound like and, you know, what we're going to do with it. Um, like Aaron was saying, if the right opportunity comes up, then, you know, we'll play out live, but, um, it's mostly just kind of going to be getting ready for next year. Kind of seeing, we got, we, there are a few, there are a few things in the fire that we are not really at liberty to discuss right now, but, um, hopefully if they all pan out. 2024 is going to be really cool. Yeah. Going to be really, it'll be cool regardless, but if what we have working right now works out, it's going to be really freaking cool. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll opine <laughs> that I think what would be really cool for you guys is going to Europe. And I know that's yeah. a tough thing, <laughs> but I just, it's my opinion, you guys would slaughter it there. We like the Grave Shadow sound, what you guys do, in my opinion at least. So. One of my favorite compliments I've ever gotten was when we were on the Serenia Arcona run and uh, we it was our, we only did five dates on that show and our last one was in Phoenix and we got off the, uh, we showed up to the venue for Loden and I'm going to do a very terrible Russian accent but um, their tour manager comes up to me and he just goes like, I listen to your music. I like some of it. Not all of it. You should be in Europe. Like, and I was like, that's the best I could have asked for as far as the compliment goes. It's amazing. Um, so, no, that, that that is definitely a goal. I think we all want that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just a matter of making it work and making whether or not, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I think logistics are always like the yeah. biggest challenge to doing anything with music. But if, uh, if, and, and it's a risk. I mean, any yeah, right time now, you do something like that, that's yeah. a it's a big risk. So I can financial risk, and then also with visas being a big, especially for European bands trying to come to the U.S. Yeah, no, it, that, that's a big time and money risk. Yeah. Also, the uh, the conflict in Ukraine going on for right sure. now absolutely adds another and challenge in France right yeah. now as well. Not the good. unrest in France, you know. Yeah. Which would have been country, you know, it, we're st- it's still in our sights, you know. Yeah, Germany, Germany, and France are that's where I'm locked in at. So, hoping to see that soon. Yeah. Again, I know you all would kill it. Finally, how can fans purchase music and merchandise from Grave Shadow, including the latest album, The Uncertain Hour? Right. So, um, right now we are operating off of Bandcamp. So you can find us on Bandcamp and you can purchase the new record um, and you can purchase merchandise from there as well. Um, As far as listening and streaming is concerned, we are on every social media platform where you can listen and stream music. So that means you can find us on Apple Music, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us everywhere. definitely really helps to get those streams and it also helps if you buy a record directly from the band from Bandcamp as you know that those funds go to us to help uh, support our future endeavors I need cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> well I'm going to get my merchandise from you guys today at the merch booth oh, following you. the show uh, after I've rocked out with you guys and I'm so looking forward to it and thank you so much for taking so much time oh, with me wow. the, of all the bands on the bill you guys are top for me so i'm so excited to see you guys awesome awesome thank you thank you